All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. Today, I wanted to talk about trusts. Now, this is a topic that comes up a fair bit with clients. People ask me regularly, hey, I'd like to set up a trust or hey, what's a trust? I know someone that set one up. Is it right for me? How do trusts work? And I can't think of any better person to talk to about this topic than Rex, the founder and principal of MA Legal. Um, now, I've seen Rex in on Yahoo. I've seen him in articles through International Business Times, CEO Weekly, and I thought this is probably the best person to talk to about this topic because he seems to know it all. Um, Rex, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for the introduction. Too kind. Yeah. Nah, it's honestly, it's um, it's it's one of those topics where you know it's. In a way, it's an area of specialty for those that do it properly um, because I've seen many people over the years say they specialize in trusts or that they do trust, whether it's a lawyer or even an accountant in some ways, but it's very rare that you come across somebody that just really does it well and really understands the ins and outs of trusts Yeah, from a practical um, perspective. I've got an accounting degree as well as a law degree. So for me, it's kind of comes hand in hand and... Um, and you're right, a lot of people don't quite understand what it is. They understand there's a lot of benefits to it, but they don't quite understand what the benefits are. So I'm happy to have a chat about what it is, what the benefits are, and different applications of it as well, if that helps. Yeah, I think it'll make it'll really help a lot of people. And I mean, can we just start off with, if you could just tell us a bit about uh, yourself, for those that are listening that haven't heard about you, um, who you are, what you do. And just a little bit about your practice as well. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Rex Afrisiabi, I'm a founder of a law firm called MA Legal in Melbourne. Just just because we're based in Melbourne doesn't mean we don't work across Australia and international as well. We're a a commercial practice, um, but we also do estate planning um, and family law as well. Um, Before setting up MA Legal, I worked at various larger firms. Um, The then I went out to a boutique firm that represents three people in the BIW Rich 100 list, which is really nice boutique high-end work. From there, they shared nice boutique offices with a fashion company or in the same building, uh, an international fashion company. Um, somehow Friday night drinks turned into a job offer. I joined them as their general manager, um, which was great. Um, I was single, I suppose, at the time, and a little bit younger than I am now, a lot younger than I am now. Um, So it was a lot of fun traveling the world, going to different events, uh, trade shows, uh, manufacturing, etc. Unfortunately, for me, it wasn't fulfilling in the sense that, personally, I found my why, the reason I what motivates me and drives me is to help people. And the fashion industry quite didn't do that. So I went ventured back into law um, and I set up MA Legal about 13 plus years ago. Uh, and we've gone from strength to strength to here we are now. Nice. And I guess over the years, working with different types of people in, in different industries, it probably gave you a, um, a pretty good perspective, I guess, on how different industries and how different people's needs Vary yeah. so much. 
it's from a legal I'm really point of view. fortunate because um, as a lawyer, you get firsthand insight into how an an organisation works, and working so closely with few of the richest, most people in Australia, I got to see how their mindset works and how they operate. Then from there, I went into, I suppose, being a general counsel inside a company, an international company, and seeing how inside the company works. And now I've ventured into my own law firm. But in addition to my law firm, I, I've got a various other business interests myself. I do proper development. Um, I've, I'm a co-host on a business advisory show. Um, I lecture to lawyers um, and I'm a judge for Young Achiever Awards Australia and the Real Estate Business Awards as well. Nice. And and you mentioned the rich. So just to talk about the, the topic of trusts, um, yes. I've had a few people tell me, look, I've heard about trusts, but I heard they're just for the really for the rich. Um, can you sort of delve into the that side of things first, just to sort of talk about what the different type of trusts are and um, in, in what situations a trust may be beneficial or needed? Yes, yeah, certainly. So trust is, in Australia, there's effectively two forms of trust. There's a fixed trust and a unit, sorry, which is like a unit trust and a discretionary trust, a family trust. Um, anyone can use them. The principal benefits is a level of asset protection as well as income distribution and tax minimization. So with a fixed trust, a unit trust, if two business partners enter into a a partnership or a business or anything like that, if they use a unit trust vehicle, their entitlements are fixed. They can only get their percentage of the trust as opposed to a family trust. With a family trust, none of the beneficiaries have a fixed entitlement. The trustee has a choice, a discretion. That's why sometimes the official name for it is discretionary trust, but people sometimes call it family trust. Um, the, The trustee has a discretion who to distribute the income and the assets of the trust to. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So I guess, so from that side of things, and this is commonly what I see with clients that um, that they'll have something like that, again, for tax purposes and um, the asset protection side of things. Um, is it, uh, I mean, who would set something like that up? I mean, I'm assuming the first step would be, I mean, normally as an advisor, it's a conversation I would have with clients, um, mm-hmm. but I would then point them in the direction of a lawyer um, that's looking at their estate planning situation. Yep. Um, and then from there, would you direct them to an accountant or- Lawyers can set it up. Our firm does set it up and accountants can set it up as well. When accountants set set them up, they normally buy the trust deeds from lawyers themselves. Um, They don't draft the trust deeds themselves. They do it themselves. So going back one step, a trust is only an agreement. It's not a separate vehicle. It's not a separate company. It's not a separate entity. It's just an agreement. It's an agreement between a person who creates the trust, referred to as a settler, and a trustee who manages the trust on a day-to-day basis that says, I'll give you this money. You can grow it, do whatever you like with it, but it's not for your benefit. It's for the benefit of these beneficiaries. And in a family trust situation, it's kind of like, Um, school, there's primary beneficiaries and secondary beneficiaries. The primary beneficiaries is normally, you know, for example, my family trust, I'm the primary beneficiaries, my specific name. And then the secondary beneficiaries is a whole list of people, for example, a brother of a primary beneficiary, a sister of a primary beneficiary. So something that can be linked back to me. 
and the trustee has a discretion, a choice at the end of each financial year, who to give the income to. Now, why that's important? Because if I'm on the highest tax threshold, but my daughter isn't, the trustee can distribute the income to my daughter and she pays tax at her rate, not at my rate, which can be a significant tax savings on income. In addition to that, there's also capital gains tax. So if you sell um, an asset, a property or something along those lines, you have capital gains tax. By just having a trust structure in place, you get a 50% discount on your capital gains tax. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And and from a estate planning point of view, so as far as like um, testamentary trusts are concerned, um, this is something yeah. that comes up a fair bit as well. Um, before I get into that, actually, can I just ask you with a, a normal type of trust, who would, I mean, I'm assuming this is something that would suit anyone's circumstance. So, I mean, just to- Anyone can, because it creates a level of asset protection. So yeah. even though you may have the benefit and you get the tax advantages, it's not technically your asset. So if something was to happen to you, so if your business goes bad or, you be, or you've got creditors after you or um, you go bankrupt, they can't touch the assets of the trust. So anyone can use it as a form of asset protection as well as the added benefit of um, tax minimization. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. And, uh, and as far as testamentary trusts are concerned, um, how do they differ? Um, and in what situations, I guess, would somebody want to set up something like that? So a lot of people don't understand what a testamentary trust is. So when someone passes away, they have a will. Uh, and what normally happens, it's like a four or five page will. Um, the assets go to for example, let's use mum and dad, the assets go to the kids and the kids have the assets in their personal names. So if they were in financial hardship or if they're in high tax brackets, um, those assets can be, If firstly, if they're in financial hardship, they, if they go bankrupt, the trustee in bankruptcy can take those assets or anyone of their creditors can touch those inheritance. The other part of it is um, tax. So if they were to receive you know, a million dollars from inheritance on a normal will, and they get taxed on the income generated from that, they'll get taxed at their personal tax rates, which means they'll, they'll probably get half of it away to the tax office. The alternative to that is a testamentary trust, which creates a family trust in the will. So the family trust is created the moment the person dies for the beneficiary's benefit. So instead of a normal will, the kids getting the income, they don't get it for themselves. They get it as a benefit of a trust, which means if, if they were going to financial hardship, the assets from the inheritance cannot be touched. If they are in a high income tax threshold, they can distribute the income to their kids or their spouse or someone else to minimize the tax. There's great advantages of it. But I, f- I feel like a lot of people don't use testamentary trusts. Because I don't understand it. And is that something that would be set up at the time of doing a will or is it just? Yes, it's part of the will. It's, so instead of a normal will, a normal will is about a good will. It's probably five or six pages. A testamentary trust, it goes for about 20 pages. It's a will effectively that says beneficiaries, child, you don't get the asset in your name. You get it as a trustee for yourself, which means it's a, it creates a family trust in the will. And how long does a trust last? Uh, 80 years. 
80 years. Okay, okay. So with a testamentary trust, you can pass it on to your kids. So if you were to inherit property, for example, and you don't want to sell it, you just want to hold on to it and hold the income from it, you can distribute the income to family members to minimize your tax and then pass on the testamentary trust to your kids. Okay. And um, and also as far as like um, the changing things in a trust is concerned. So let's say, for example, somebody sets up a trust and um, they're married, for example, and then fast forward six months later or six years later and they have children and they're not married anymore. Yep. Um, is it easy for someone to change the beneficiaries? No, you can't ever really change a beneficiary of a trust. It's what's called a resettlement. So if the trust is at the time of creation, it's made for the benefits of these beneficiaries. If you change that, the Australian Taxation Office takes a view that the trust has changed dramatically, so it needs to pay capital gains. It's basically seen as it sells the assets to itself and creates a capital gain tax event. So you never want to change beneficiaries. You can relinquish your rights to a beneficiary. You can say, I don't want to be a beneficiary anymore, but you can't add a person onto it. That makes sense. That makes sense. And, and I think the, the the last type of trust that you probably haven't touched on is um, special disability trusts, which, um, again, I don't see that often, but um, I'm assuming it works the same way for somebody with special needs. Yeah. yeah. So a testamentary trust can be used for special disability as well. So if you've got um, a child in need or a child that's got drug independence or something like that, drug dependence or something along those lines, you can create a family trust. But instead of making them the controller of the money or the assets being the trustee, you make someone else that you trust as the controller, the trustee for their benefit. So the trustee doesn't get any benefit from it, but they can they look after the, the inheritance for the benefit of the child. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. And from a practical perspective, so there's, um, I mean, I'll hear this a lot from clients saying, you know, look, when I die, I want to make sure that um, this money sits, my, my whole estate essentially goes into an account that my children can't touch until they're 21. Um, so I'm assuming that's along the lines of a testamentary trust. It can as well. It can be a normal will. A lot of normal wills have this provision where they can't get their inheritance until a certain age. Okay. Um, but what a testamentary trust does in addition to that is they're not entitled to it. So just because you don't have access to it, it does mean you're entitled to it. So if you were to go, for example, bankrupt before you're 21 um, or have drug dependence and need the money or something goes wrong, it's still your inheritance. So they can still touch it. But if it's in a testamentary trust that can't touch that asset you're protecting your um beneficiaries yes yes that makes sense um and as far as like for example this but let's say somebody has an ex-partner um and they have children that they share um i'm assuming that's when also that's be thinking along those lines as well to make sure that the money doesn't go to the ex-partner and that it goes to the children if they were to die family law is an interesting one um so family law <laughs> is the only law that looks through any sort of structure. So if I have a company or a trust, no one can touch me. No one can touch the assets in that vehicle because it's separate to me, except when it comes to my wife or my domestic partner. The Family Law Act is done in a way where 
as long as you have what's called control, effective control of an asset, it's deemed to be part of your asset and forms part of your asset pool. To get around that, you may, so somehow, like you can create a testamentary trust, like in your will, instead of giving everything to the children in their own names as trustees, you make them, if you've got more than one children, you make them all joint trustees. So no one's got effective control over the assets. They've got joint control. And that makes it a lot more difficult for a family lawyer to argue that is your asset as you form part of the asset pool in the family law proceedings. It sounds like, um, I mean, more, as you explain this, and I think it's becoming very evident to whoever's listening to this episode that it's it just highlights the importance of talking to a a lawyer um, before making any decision like like setting up a trust, for example, because it sounds like everyone's circumstance, just like financial advice, is completely different, and so many things need to be taken into account. It does, but it's also really beneficial to have a testamentary trust. It does cost a little bit more at the outset just to prepare one. I mean, you're looking at a a five, six-page document to a 20-page-plus document, but the benefits for your beneficiaries, your children, if something was to happen to you, is so grand that it's always worth looking into it. Often you hear about stories where some people will have um, a family trust, for example, and they could have set this up years after setting up their will. Um, and they haven't looked at updating their will, um, or maybe it's been recommended, but they didn't think it was important. Have you come across any issues like that where it's caused some serious conflict or drama or unnecessary drama? Yeah, it does happen often, unfortunately. People buy will kits or people go to um, their local lawyer who may not have the right experience in this area, and they'll just prepare a will. They don't realize if they've got an existing business, an existing company, an existing family trust, existing unit trust, any sort of existing entity that is separate to their personal assets, that doesn't form part of their estate mm-hmm. automatically. So okay. what happens is if they pass, whatever is in their estate forms part of the probate, not necessarily something like a family trust that's not technically their estate. So what you need to do in those circumstances, and a smart lawyer would do this, is they get a copy of their existing structures and incorporate that into their will so to make sure those assets form part of the estate. So for example, if they've got a family trust and they're the trustee, they'll get a copy of the existing family trust deed. There'll be a provision in the existing family trust deed that says you can change a trustee by doing the following. And in the will, will do that. We'll say, you know, family trust dated this, pursuant to clause X, we will appoint, you know, the executors of the will as the trustees of the trust to form, to bring it into the assets of the estate. And a lot of times people don't do that. Also, what they don't do is superannuation. So with super, the super funds have their own beneficiaries. So you declare a beneficiary normally in your super fund or to have a list where they distribute to. Your will should make it should take account of that. If it doesn't, your beneficiaries may get unequal shares. So if you've got two children, for example, and you want them to get 50-50, but your super fund has only give, gives the assets to one child, then your estate still has to give a 50-50 because that's how you put it in there. But if you had put specific provisions that they the executors of your will need to take into account what the super fund has done, then you can distribute the assets evenly. Does that make sense? 
Definitely, definitely. And that's something we highlight to clients all the time. It's um, it's such a simple thing, yet you're right. You know, if you don't have your super nominations, I mean, if you don't talk to your lawyer about your super nominations or your trust or your or your or even your company that you have set up, um, it could cause some very serious issues later on. And and even as I said, if you have a will that you've had that you've had set up, but then you set up a company later on or a trust, I'm assuming the same issue applies. It's the same issue because they're se- yeah. technically they're separate legal entities. They're not yes. part of your estate. You've done it to protect yourself uh, whilst you're alive. So if something was to happen to you, they can't touch those assets. But upon your passing, means your executor can't necessarily touch those assets either. Yes. And can you think of any scenarios where, just to move back to testamentary trusts as well, mm-hmm. can you think of any scenarios where that you've seen or heard of where there has been an event where unfortunately, say, parents had passed away and there was no testamentary trust in place and it caused some heartache that could have been avoided if a testamentary trust was set up? Yeah, so there's often a lot of them, unfortunately, and normally it comes with um, high wealth individuals. Um, so if um, I'll use Dr. X, Dr. X is a beneficiary. His parents pass away. Um, he gets, you know, a couple of million dollars in assets um, that it's in property and he, he's earning income from it. He doesn't sell them because he just wants to hold on to them. He doesn't need the, um, the cash necessarily. But because it came in his own personal name, all the rental income that he's derived from his inheritance is being taxed at the maximum tax rate with no real benefit to him. If his parents had set up a testamentary trust and he got the same properties, he could distribute that income to his children and his partner who isn't working and they'll significantly reduce his tax rate. It could pay for all the school fees of the private schools, etc. So it's got so many benefits to it um, that it's worth for anyone looking at a will to consider it at least. Yes, yes, and I'm assuming it's something people should think about sooner than later um, in their in their journey of building wealth because once you once you have the assets, it's not that simple just transferring them. No, you can't transfer them. The moment you transfer assets, um, you get hit with capital gains tax. Uh, and it depends on which state in Australia you're in, um, you get lumped with stamp duty as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, the benefit of, of trust and, and getting the structure right when you acquire something is you can easily swap it around or a lot easier swap it around without incurring those costs. So, for example, if I held a property in my family trust and I want to gift it to my daughter, I can transfer the property from the trust, distribute it to her as a beneficiary and it will incur no stamp duty and no capital gains tax because the idea is that she was, she had the benefit of it under the trust from day one. And that could be a significant saving. It can, it can. And, um, and I mean, all I can say is that this is probably one of the most bland, boring topics out there, but I want to thank you for making it as boring. Honestly, you've probably made as made it as exciting as anyone could have, you know. And um and but it is important. Like it's it's it this I mean you've highlighted so many reasons as to why someone should talk to someone like yourself that specializes in this area to um I guess work out if it's appropriate, if how to set things up, um, and just to make sure it's done properly because it's 
again, like like financial advice, if you just assume everything's going to work and that everything's going to be okay, that's it's there's a very big chance it's not going to be okay, you know. Um, yeah, it gives you that. So for, as I said earlier, I've got um, I've got my law firm, but I do various other businesses and property ventures and other things that I do. Every single new venture that I get into, I have a brand new company and a brand new trust for. I don't mix them. I don't put all my eggs in one basket. Every single venture has a new company and a new trust. It's a special purpose for it. So if something goes wrong with any of my ventures, it, it's not going to be a house of cards. It's not going to come off coming crumbling down because a company and a trust is separate to me. They're its own vehicles. So a company can be sued in its own right. So if something goes wrong with it, I can bankrupt the company and it won't affect anything else of mine. And and again, it just, just comes down to being smart and being proactive um, and just protecting yourself and those yeah, around you as well. It, it's so true. And people think it costs, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. Um, and a smart advisor, and I've done this many times with my clients, would tell them how to set up a company. Because you can jump on the ASIC website and set up your own company for $500. Um, and it's all the information. And, I can, and as your advisor can talk you through it, and it's done. We can do it as well for you, and we, all advisors do. Um, but you know, if you're cost conscious about things, it's still ways to do it. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And um, Rex, lastly, if anybody wants to contact you, um, what would you say the best way is for them to do that? Um, my website or my email. My website's www.malegal.com.au, or my email is Rex R E X at malegal.com.au. If they mention this podcast and yourself, I'm happy to have a no obligation, complimentary, confidential um, conference with them, um, see if we can help and maybe guide them in the right way. Yeah. No, thank you so much for your time, Rex. And and lastly, I like to finish all my episodes off with a dad joke. Um, <laughs> so here we go. Um, you've, got a, you've, you've got a daughter, don't you? I do. I've got a four-year-old. Uh, you'll relate to this then. So um, when a child won't go, go, won't go down for nap or bedtime, should they be prosecuted or refusing arrest? <laughs> prosecuted. <laughs> yeah. So refusing arrest. Um, <laughs> arrest. So it's, it's, oh. yeah, it's, it's not <laughs> it's not the best yeah. one out there. But um, I completely missed that one. Yeah, no, it's okay. To be honest with you, it's um, I'm sort of I'm I'm upping my dad joke game since I've started this. So it's been my thing since day one. I That's always got told joke. Yeah, do you think what it was like beforehand? Oh, mate, it, terrible. Terrible. It's. it's um, I, I used to be told before I had kids that I'd be a really good dad. When I said why, they said you've got good dad jokes. Oh my god, thanks. And that was that was when I actually thought they were funny. But um, I feel the dad bod. Yeah, um, that as well. That, that's that's slowly evolved over the last eight years. But it's I wear it with pride. Yeah. But, but uh, thank you so much for your time again, honestly, you, Rex. Buddy. It's um it's been great, and um, I really hope whoever's listened to this has a has gained so much clarity around trusts and what they can do um, for them and their family. Thanks for joining us on sharing more than the sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases, and feel free to share this episode with any friends or family that you think it might benefit. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.